0: What is up, guys? It is your boy, DJ Stash, a.k.a. Jesse, a.k.a. the host of the motherfucking podcast, and this is episode 15 on Topics of the Pod. Uh, I'm sitting here in my luxurious apartment, up in the bed, because it's currently uh, almost 2 o'clock in the morning here. It's uh, December 5th on the Wednesday, as uh, people that have been calling, currently following my uh, my podcast. You know, I would try to get like, a podcast done once a week, but, you know, some shit... Yeah, I, guess I get busy, man. So, I, usually I try to do like two back-to-backs to make up for it. But I'll probably do one today, and then uh get one done probably this Saturday or Sunday. Definitely, I'll, get one, I'll definitely get the two this weekend for y'all, for sure. This main topic I'm going to get to, i want to do the, uh, like a top. Uh, mainly the headlines can be like top 100 cartoons or animated series. It's going to be something like that. It's going to be top 100 cartoons. You gotta. I'm going to put the leak. It's from IGN. They do they have apparently they have this uh, top 100 animated series. Is, I guess it's a mix of uh, There's all sorts of like, kid cartoons, adult cartoons, and I think some anime too. So I know we already talked some anime before, but we're just gonna do this list. I figured it would be like a fun thing to do for this podcast. I was trying to get a uh, guest down here, but uh, you know we can have some complications. You know, as usual on topics on the pod, get people get people on the show. Give <sighs> my water. So, but I'll just do this for y'all. But as always, I'm gonna get some news going on. But uh, before that, I a little about me. More. Uh, I'm always curious about this. I'm trying to do this uh this fasting diet now. You know, recently uh, the people that follow me on the YouTube, I do a lot of few reviews. I've been trying to get on this diet for like a couple weeks now. I've been off and on. You know, I'm currently stuck between the 130, 140 range. I'm trying to get to 120. That's my uh, end goal right now before the year three years over, so, as I just weigh myself, getting off my gimmick job, which I do overnight it's on my gimmick job, <laughs> I just say gimmick job, because I don't want to. don't say what my job is, my main job, but yeah, anyway, I weighed like 136, so, that's after doing like three, three four different reviews from my juggernaut box today, so, but I'm thinking today I'm just going to do all, like a liquid uh, diet, until uh, I get to my goal weight, so. If anyone has any like, tips or anything, get to this, uh, diet. I've tried to, I'm curious about the keto diet too. I'm not too sure about that. I know it's like, uh, keto is basically like a low carb diet, but, uh, but yeah, guys, if you have any, uh, suggestions on the best diet for that works for y'all, you can email me at LLLJJRockstar at Hotmail. I would appreciate it deeply. But yeah. <clears throat> yeah, guys, we're getting to, uh, some news. I know that's stream Wednesday, I think, uh. I'm not even looking at it. They're supposed to be uh, having the memorial service for uh, George H.W. Bush, that he passed away this past week. Let me uh, let me look at exactly what day he passed away. Let's see, George. H. Yeah, I know sometime last week. I know he had some complications. I mean, he was like 90, 94 or something. Yeah, let's see. Should show his age. There we go, yeah, 94 years old. Yeah, man. Yeah, he died at his place in Houston, Texas. Let's see what he died of. He's got a big career on here for sure. So now there's like this Obama, George Bush, and Trump. I I think Jimmy Carter's still alive, too. That's crazy how that big gap is, though. Let me get down to his. Yeah, it says death and funeral. Looking on the Wikipedia, it says uh, Bush suffered from vascular parkinsonism, a form of Parkinson's disease, which had forced him to use a motorized scooter or wheelchair since at least 2012. He died on November 30th, age 94, at his home in Houston. Tributes and condolences were offered by former Pres- presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill. Cl- oh yeah, Bill. I forgot about Bill Clinton. <laughs> I. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and incumbent President Donald Trump. On December 3rd, Bush became the 12th U.S. president to lie in the state in the uh, rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. It says Bush's remains will lie and repose at Saint Martin's Episcopal Church, Houston, from the evening of December 5th until 11:15 a.m. Central. Standard time on December six, yeah. So as we're currently doing, yeah, that's what they're gonna do today. Is have their memorial service. Man, yeah, rest peace him. You know, I was, when he was president is before my time. I was pretty much born when Bill Clinton took over. So yeah, currently, so we have one, two, three, four, yeah, five sitting presidents right now. But Jimmy Carter, man, he was, he was born, uh, he was president in like what seventies, eighties. Let's take a look at Jimmy Carter. Let's see. Uh, Uh, he was the governor of Georgia. Should show what he was president. Yeah, in office, 19, 7, January 20th, 1977 to January 20th, 1981. That's crazy, man. I guess he was really young when he started. What's what is that? How old is he right now? Oh, he's 94 too. Wow. Hmm, he's still kicking. Alright guys, we'll go to the uh, Google News What's going on now? Oh yeah, I do want to get to one Uh, in Belton one Before we get to that one I want to put that back up I saw that the other day And I wanted to talk about it on the podcast this last weekend But when stuff happened So, it's something that's in my, uh, my high school town In Belton, Texas Let's see, I can pull up the, the video of it Yeah there was a Belton High School teacher that got arrested on a child porn charge five days ago. Okay, so that was, was there just, yeah, I guess November 30th, yeah. So kind of like irritated me, man. I don't know this guy because I, I never had any uh, male teachers except for like coaches let I'll play the video soon.
1: Tonight, we begin in Belton, where former high school teacher James Edward Alman has been arrested after police say he accidentally played porn during class. It happened at Belton High School, and it led to a months-long investigation with authorities ultimately charging Alman with possessing child porn. Channel 6's Imani Payne joins us now to explain. Hey, Imani. Leslie, this all started when a student told administrators that Alman accidentally played porn on a projection screen while he was trying to begin a lesson. Now, the student says Alman told the class it should have never happened, but it was already too late. She now, think. following the incident, the teacher was suspended and later resigned. Alman's school laptop oh, he only and was... iPad were confiscated wow. as well he as suspended. suspended and SD card found in his desk. Belton police say while searching through these items, they found four home videos showing a 10-year-old girl changing in a bathroom where Alman and his wife used to live now according to police neither the wife nor the child knew the cameras were in the bathroom now the district did notify parents that Alman was no longer working at the school but did not inform them as to why that was saying they don't share confidential personnel or student information for now we're live in Belton Imani Payne channel 6 news
0: yeah everything is kind of fucked up I and mean, I'm like and how you're just stupid enough to have your own laptop And have the child porn on there And they project it in the class I mean, just shouldn't have it anyway But they said they had that 10 year old girl in their former house I was like, so he just has to know this girl personally That's, you know, it's just kind of sickly, man And then you have these kind of people Like teaching your kids Nah, it's just, it's not right I just have a way better background But they only got suspended Like, I don't know, I guess they had to, They are just doing an investigation they resigned, so I hope this dude never fucking works at a school ever again. Deserve. He's getting way less than he deserves. He, deser- he deserves a lot worse. So, hopefully he gets justice for that. But yeah, they were like doing the interview right in front of my high school, man. That's just crazy that something like that happened. But yeah, I don't know that guy. I don't know. He didn't say what he teased or anything, so. who no, knows? didn't look like a coach. All right. Well, we'll get to a better match. We're going to see him uh, Top stories in Google right now uh, I was looking Browsing there A little bit early Like a few minutes ago Before the podcast started It has, has Some of these are Like recommended for me It's currently there it says something About Burger King It says Burger King is giving away Whoppers for one cent But you have to go To McDonald's And get them I was like What the fuck Does that mean Let's see says, Burger King has a new deal that requires customers to go to McDonald's. On Tuesday, the fast food chain announced that it was turning more than 14,000 McDonald's into Burger King restaurants. Really? How's that going to work? It says, in fact, Burger King is debuting a McDonald's-themed deal. If customers go within 600 feet of McDonald's location, they can order a Whopper for one cent via the revamped Burger King app. The deal starts Tuesday and runs through December 12th. If a guest is inside one of these geofence areas and has a new BK app on their device, the app will unlock the Whopper sandwich for a penny promotion. Burger King said in a press release, once the one-cent Whopper sandwich order is placed, the user will be detoured away from McDonald's as the app navigates them to the nearest Burger King restaurant for pickup. Burger King recently relaunched its app, allowing customers to Place orders via mobile. McDonald's has more than 14,000 locations across the U.S. Burger King has about 6,600 fast food locations. Uh, It's saying the deal provides an explanation for a seemingly bizarre Burger King tweet on Tuesday morning, which the tweet says, uh, BRB going to McDonald's. (laughs) Uh, Burger King has been dabbling in some unusual promotions recently, such as launching a flame-grilled dog treat called the Dog the uh dopper oh yeah i saw that on am bringing that food thing that i get my, what i look for for food news to do free reviews apparently like they use that dog treat thing is like if you ordered something on uh like the waiter app i believe it's one some kind of like food delivery app then you get that uh dog treat that was pretty bizarre but yeah it says uh, last week the chains posted a string of Nonsensical tweets that seem to be simply a random string of letters and numbers. Later, Burger King said the gibberish tweets have been an effort to promote the return of its mini cinnamon rolls. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty weird. So I guess they're gonna turn to McDonald's restaurants, to Burger King. But I'll try that Burger King app. It seemed to have really good deals. Like I, have, I have the Burger King and the McDonald's app. Well I'll, I'll, well, I'll delete the Burger King app now But I usually get the McDonald's app if I want to get, like, some uh, cheap fries The mainly apps I use are like, the deals I get on the McDonald's Is, like, you can get one You wants one sandwich You get one for a dollar Then uh, you get, like, a large fries for, like, a dollar It's pretty much, like, every day in my area Alright, let's go to the next one Yeah, this is about Red Dead Edition, too as currently people that have been following me, listening to podcasts. podcast. You know, I've been talking about Red Dead 2 for a while now. So we'll go to this one here. Let's see. It says, Red Dead Redemption 2 is much easier on an all-alligator diet. That was like the clickbait. So your stats in Red Dead Redemption 2 works or work very differently than you may be used to form other games. Getting a handle on this system and learning the most efficient way to beat it will give you a huge advantage of the game. Your health, stamina, and Deadeye stats each have a ring and a core. The state of the core determines how quickly the ring regenerates, but the core also acts as an emergency reserve for the stat where you ring in fully depleted. If your deadeye ring depletes, continuing to use deadeye without replenishing, re- clis- li- oh, re- the ring will drain the core. You cannot use deadeye when your core and ring are completely drained. Saying taking damage works the same way. Your health ring is implanted first, then you can take a few more hits that will drain your health core. Your health incentive will regenerate faster when your core is full, and aiming in the deadeye is more precise when the deadeye core is full. It's saying each icon is entirely white when the core is full and turns gray and is drained. Each core will drain on its own over time. While you drain your deadeye core and ring by actively using the skill. Depleted cores can be refilled by eating different things. You find or buy around the game world, but it's much easier to buff your character with gold oh, gold cores. So golden cores relieve Much of the burden of managing your various stats, they won't degrade for 24 in-game hours, unless you take too much damage or try to sprint or use Deadeye with an empty ring. Going into a mission with gold cores means you can take a bit more damage and use more Deadeye for longer. That extra margin for error can sometimes make the difference between success and failure, so maintaining the buffs is a good idea. It's saying the gold cores are generally hard to get, but there's a trick that makes it easier to maintain for them all your missions. Uh, it says the Frontier Foodie <laughs> Your rings are Regulated by medicines And tonics crafted from Herbs which are found on bodies Or brought in general stores The opponent, especially your tonics And medicines will fortify your ring Which means that you can take some hits Or use dead eye for a bit before the circle Starts depleting. Yellow four vine rings Are powerful buffs But there's not really en- Any shortcuts to stocking up on them you have to go out and find the plant components to craft them, or, or grind out the cash to buy the necessary buffs. These drinks are expensive to buy in stores, however, so crafting is generally more efficient. You probably also want to expand your inventory so you never have to leave anything useful behind. However, cooking and food items regulate your cores. On the other hand, and this system can be, gamed to maximize the efficiency. Saying. Yeah. I was trying to get to, like, the main point of this, like, the alligator thing, so. I'll get this, read the rest of this article and get to the gator one. It says, cooking and food item regulate your cores, on the other hand, and the system can be gained to max efficiency. All right. This says down here about the gator thing. It says, why you need to be farming alligators. And that's the main point. <laughs> I was trying to get to the article. It says, alligators don't run, at, run at you at high speeds and kill you with one pound like cougars. Says they don't surround you in packs and lunge at you like wolves, they mostly just lie real at <clears throat> real at televally immobile on the ground in swampy areas around Saint Denis. They generally won't attack you or do much anything unless you're right in front of them, which <laughs> that is having me a lot in the swamps when I play the game. And there are a lot of them, yeah. Big game meat would be too scarce to use all. All the time were it not for alligators, but they are so plentiful that it's always easy to stock up. The article says that it recommends uh, hunting alligators with a bow. You will need to use an improved arrow and hit the alligator in the head to ensure a one-shot kill. But doing so is easy. The alligator will just sit there while you line it up for your shot. Using more than one shot seems to reduce the amount of meat you harvest from the body. A clean kill by an improved arrow to dome will yield five units of big game meat. You will only get three if you hit the body. I oh, okay. Craft improved arrows by combining a normal arrow with a flight feather, which you can get from skinning flying birds. Okay. Herons and then spoon bills in the swamp near the alligators usually yield three flight feathers when skinned. but you could also get flight feathers by shooting flocks of ducks or blasting scavenger burns that, Show up to feed on the carcasses of your kills. If you find a spot with several gators around, which isn't an uncommon occurrence, you can farm enough meat to keep you core golden through hours of missions. It really is that simple. Harvest some spices, make some improved arrows, and then stock up as much seasoned and cooked alligators meat as you can carry. Hmm. So basically the same alligator meat gives you a significant advantage, but like just boosting up all your uh, golden cores. So that's pretty legit, I mean, I guess guys, if you are big into Red Dead Petition 2 and you still haven't beat the story, I mean, that's a good way to do it. I wish I would have known that before. <laughs> but I just did like a glitch that uh, basically uh, duplicated like a money glitch, so I just didn't have to worry about that. So, But I mean, this is a good way too. Alright guys, I think it's time to get into the main topic, the Top 100 Anime Series. I just want to get into those articles. The news of the day. It's from IGN. I like IGN. I mean, I use uh, IGN websites for like game reviews, which uh, I think actually gave Red Dead Two a nine. Let me look I- that real quick before we start that. Let's see if I can see that. Redemption Two. Nope. Actually, give it a. T- O S. Yep, give it a ten. Actually, huh. it's even better. Look at that review real quick. Yeah, it says a ten, editor's choice. I think there's a video about it. Let's see. Blockstar
1: is taking feedback from everyone, so please fix. I'm Uh-oh. actually having a lot of fun in Red Dead
0: Online. Oh, so Simon fixes Red Dead Online. These oh, it's something the online. Oh yeah, yeah. that's currently recording. Like, the there's an online. Or the online betas on right now. It's it's pretty good so far. I made mean, my character. My character looks high as fuck in the game though. I <laughs> made him like too happy in the, with the eyebrow features. But I haven't. Uh, I just really did like a couple missions in it. I haven't haven't gone too deep in the beta. I thought the video would talk about the uh, the review, but I guess not. But it's saying uh, IGN just gave it a ten, which yeah, I can. I can vouch for that. Oh, I think here's the video for it. Alright, i play this review for y'all. If y'all still speculating scapula- about uh, getting this game, because I can't get enough of this game, so... I'll play this review for y'all, and then I'll get into the uh, the main topic.
2: Ah. Oh. If you
0: want to check out this video, it's on uh, IGN.com.
2: Well, I'm gonna break your neck! Red Dead Redemption 2 is a sprawling western tale of loyalty, conviction, and the price of infamy, all set in Rockstar's most authentic and lived-in open world ever. There are so many things to do, so many people to meet, and so many places to explore. Red Dead Redemption 2 isn't just Rockstar's greatest achievement to date, it's a game so lacking in compromise, it's tough to know where best to start discussing it. So, let's start at the beginning. It's 1899 and American Outlaws are an endangered species. Dutch Van and his gang are on the run after a botched heist in the growing town of Blackwater and they've retreated high into the mountains where an atrocious blizzard is covering their escape. We slip into the spurs of Arthur Morgan, an exceedingly cool and capable outlaw, and settle in for a roughly 60 hour story. It's a self-contained and linear introduction, but it's a clever one. It heightened the impact of having the full map open up to me a few hours later. Being set loose in the true open world after toughing it out in this intentionally oppressive environment really underscores the incredible feeling of freedom the full map offers. And what a world it is! More beautiful, broader, and more varied than the one we explored in 2010's Red Dead Redemption by a massive margin. There are snowy peaks and dank alligator Oh yeah, this
0: map is amazing. And
2: forests and open plateaus, quaint homesteads and grand plantations, narrow streams and great lakes dusty gulches and dim caves, there's the muddy livestock town of Valentine with its wooden buildings and rustic charm, and then there's the imposing city of Saint-Denis, a grimy and growing metropolis full of modern extravagances like electric trams, paved roads and Chinese restaurants. The vast assortment of ecosystems and environments seamlessly stitched together here is nothing short of remarkable. The ability of this game to keep itself fresh after so many hours is extraordinary, and not entirely due to just the size and diversity of the world, it's how alive all those places feel. Oh yeah, they
0: won't get repetitive and boring in this game. The countryside
2: of Red Dead Redemption 2 is absolutely brimming with wildlife to discover, people to interact with and potentially help, Both you get hands up. and places to scrutinize. The more laid-back pace of Red Dead Redemption 2 compared to something like the slightly more breakneck GTA 5 is also a big part of how it encouraged me to slow down and drink in all the world has to offer. Can we get a cup of beers, please? Bodies have to be manually looted. Single-action pistols need to be cocked before firing. Coffee needs to be brewed before drinking it. I suspect some folk may regard this sort of stuff as chore-like, but I really dig it. There's something methodical about it that really helps ground Arthur in the world rather than have him feel like he's gliding through it. I love the deliberate and mechanical process of cycling a new cartridge with a lever-action rifle via a second pull of the fire button. You can even pause for dramatic effect halfway through. Rockstar's designers didn't need to factor that in, but I think they understand the tiny, almost trivial instances of subtle control like this subconsciously seep me into the world as Arthur even more. Ah! The main story missions themselves are a cocktail of high stakes heists, Too slow! deadly shootouts, desperate rescues, and thrilling chases, mixed with a lengthy list of other tasks. Many of those function as organic ways to teach us about new side hustles and other activities that can be undertaken, from selling stolen horses to playing poker. Shit. Or fishing. Good to meet you. It all feels great to play similar in a lot of ways to its immediate predecessor but yeah it was showing
0: like, like first person view. I like that aspect too. So you can do first person like in uh, GTA 5.
2: Shootouts are supremely cinematic thanks to plenty of gun smoke and the same style of on the fly ever changing death animations that have characterized Rockstar games since GTA 4. Red Dead Redemption 2 is an undeniably pretty game across the board. The lighting is fantastic. Facial animation is a noticeable step up from GTA 5, and the level of granular detail is almost absurd. From the way blood smears on Arthur's shoulder after carrying a kill, to the way individual strands of his majestic mutton chops quiver in the breeze. Yeah. Remember, this is a game where horse testing will shrink when the weather is cold. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Equally impressive is the audio from the satisfying metallic crunch. Oh, uh, didn't really try to notice that. To the twang of a Hollywood-inspired ricochet. Bullets fired on Mountaintop's ring with cracking echoes. Completely different to the sound of bullets fired indoors. Again, little seems to have been missed, and the music, absolutely outstanding. Red Dead Redemption 2 is Rockstar's most serious and earnest story to date, and certainly the best written. Only the feeblest of men take (laughs)
0: Jobs in the government. <laughs> yeah, they really took this story Watching good, Dutch's seriously. From being the
2: charismatic they didn't like half-ass it. ...clever leader of a gang of deadly outlaws to someone on track to become the cold-blooded and beaten man being hunted down by Marston twelve years later is captivating. We get to watch an incredibly nuanced performance as Dutch's confidence ebbs and his restraint fades. They are goddamn cowards, Parthas, cowards. Excellent, too, His main man Arthur. Not only is there an infectious authenticity to his low and smooth tone of voice... This is a very good take! ...but when Arthur himself is a far wearier man by the story's climax, his delivery is doubly potent. I don't know what you're saying, Dutch, but it seems like I've heard it all before. Combined (laughs) with strong writing and direction, the result is a game that's sincere instead of satirical, and funny while remaining capable of some supremely well-owned emotional moments, especially throughout the truly excellent crescendo and epilogue. And even after completing the epilogue, I still have a stack of strangers that need helping, gangs that need killing, and fish that need catching. There are thirty different types of fish in this game about cowboys. I've Alright, there's like
0: one fishing <laughs> wow. mission here. The one the last, the mission it's like really hard to do.
2: Red Dead Redemption Two stands shoulder to shoulder with Grand Theft Auto V as one of the greatest games of modern times. It's a gorgeous depiction of an ugly age that's patient. Polished and a huge amount of fun to play, and it's combined with Rockstar's best storytelling to date. Even after finishing the lengthy story, I can't wait to go back and play more. This is a game of rare quality, a meticulously polished open world ode to the outlaw era. Looking for one of this generation's very best single player action experiences? Here's your Huckleberry. For plenty more on Red Dead, so we gave, we just two, have to, to give get it 10 first a ten a masterpiece and our graphics comparison.
0: Yeah. Yeah guys, if you're still on the fence about it? Yeah, definitely pick it up. I'm just waiting for uh the online to get fix all the bugs and stuff apparently that, that it's got. Alright guys, not further ado we'll get we'll get started with the uh the top hundred. Get back to there. Alright, the top one hundred animated series. I'm just gonna just between like the least to the best says start, <clears throat> yeah, but like I said earlier, I'll post this, uh, post this link in the description so y'all can look at this yourselves. so start number one hundred. Get started. It says the cartoon is indeed a wonderful thing. Most, or once mostly, deemed to be the territory of a kids-only audience, the world of animation has, evolved over the years so, has appealed to adults as well as children. Or is it just that many adults these days have the mind of children? Don't ask us, for there is one thing that the IGN editors can claim to be. It's kids trapped in the bodies of adults. And so it goes without saying that we sure do love us some cartoons. And in particular, television has proven to be a hugely important part of our tuned development. Starting from our earliest days with the Saturday morning and after school shows and tuning right on today with the more mature Adult Swim offering and the, and the like. In fact, as we prepped for this, this story and looked back at our many favorite anime series from over the years, we were amazed by the diversity of the shows that we came up with. From classic tales of cats chasing mice to the legend of Dark Knight Avengers patrolling the streets of a place called Gotham. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> from incompetent alien invaders to incompetent nuclear families. From stories of the, future of the future to sagas of the past IGN's top 100 animated series has it all. So put away your ink and paint for a while and have a look at this list. You might just find yourself animated by it. Haha. Ha. Okay. Hmm. Alright. It's basically just showing like a. I mean, it's going to go 100 to 1, whatever. And it's going to say the title of the show and the network and the original air date. Alright. But uh, if I know, I'm just trying to say the best I know. If I actually, you know, I've seen this show. Or not, so we'll just go by how it goes. but right, it says 100 Josie and the Pussycats. It says the network was on CBS and the original air date 1970 to 72. Huh, I guess it didn't really last very long. Uh, I remember I remember this was on TV. I've, I don't remember watching it was on CBS. I think it was like on Boomerang, which is basically like Cartoon Network's uh, backup storage, you know, classic cartoons. I don't remember the whole story of that. I just remember just a band of girls and they just sometimes had like villains or whatever. Like just chase them around. Like stop them from their gigs or whatnot. It's really vague. I mean, I definitely remember watching this. I mean, there's an article on it. Let's see what it says. It says the success of the animated Archie show was big and it extended to music with the Archie's hit song Sugar Sugar. Was led to another Archie comic coming to television with Josie and the Pussycats, which took pre-existing Archie comics universe characters Josie and put her into a new scenario, or scenario scenario, as she formed a band. The comic book character also reflected the change in a bit of synergy. It says uh, Hannah Barber produced Josie and his music show for how it so specifically combined elements from the success. Of the Archie Show and Hannah Barbary's own Scooby-Doo. As Josie and her friends not only played music together, but eventually stumbled into mysteries they would ultimately help solve. Oh, okay, so they were like a mystery thing too. Yeah, I couldn't remember that. So despite only running for 16 episodes, not counting the amusing spinoff slash continuation, Josie and the Pussycats in Our Space, of course, Frequent repeats. The spunky characters and a great theme song kept Josie in the public consciousness for years to come, ultimately leading to a underrated film version in 2001. Oh, okay. Wow, that's like a big gap from the 70s and then they take like almost 30 years to make a movie. Wow. Mask. This is number 99's Mask. If it's uh, network uh, syndicated... Okay, I never heard of that network. It says, original air date, 1985 to 1986. It says, one of the more popular cartoon slash toy marketing machines of the 80s was Mask, the mobile armored strike command, yes, command with a K. Yeah, That's what happens when you have to make a crumbling fit into your story concept. The show was a weird kind of G.I. Joe, Transformers hybrid but it managed to combine the best elements of those franchises while adopting few of their flaws but was really set up in a part was the namesake of the show the superhero mask the characters wore the mask provided the ethnically diverse yet stereotypical cast with abilities like anti-gravity flight and energy beams kind of sounds like Transformers It says uh, Matt Tracker was the rugged, handsome, rich, charismatic lead of the show. His pimp ride was a red, <laughs> a red Chevrolet Camaro G3 that transformed into a going fighter plane. His son Scott and his friend slash pet robot T-Bob provided some comic relief, and since Scott was always upgrade his expensive buddy, he provided plenty of validations for the little boys who grew or who would grow up to be today's tech geeks and robot nerds, but... One of the more notable aspects of the show was the fact that it showed a single dad taking care of his only son while fighting the forces of evil. Yeah, I don't know this show at all, so. I guess people that uh, listen, are listening to the podcast now, you can. You're remiss about that. sounds though, It sounds like, yeah, you know, it's like a Transformers and like that. Basically, what it sounds like G.I. Joe and Transformers combined. And uh, ninety eight. Oh, Clark's animated series. This one I actually did see a little bit. It's it was kind of bleh. I think I have seen like maybe a few episodes of that. I enjoyed the movies better than the animated series. This is the network is ABC, and the original air date was two thousand. Which uh, I guess I re- I probably did watch it ABC. Probably didn't watch it when it first came out, but I know it wasn't on Cartoon Network. Let's see. Says in some ways, this is the firefly of animated series aired out of order and then quickly discarded by a network that didn't feel it fit with the programming. Only six episodes were produced. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And only two of them aired. Wow, really? Only two of them aired? But there is, huh? But there was a lot of very funny material in Kevin Smith's adaptation of his own film. A rather brilliant second episode. Periodi that old television stable with the characters trapped together reminiscing on past events only here with only one episode having been produced All of the memories are of that previous week's events before things get really hysterical and surreal staring Starring the entire main cast of the clerk films not to mention Alec Baldwin as the Lex Luthorish Leonardo Leonardo <laughs> clerks was able to do a lot more broad comedy and parodies in the films with episodes evoking everything from the fast times that Ridgemont High to the unfortunate results of a transformer transforming with a person inside him. Hmm, so maybe I did watch all of his only two episodes. So, what if they made six, I wonder what they're they gonna do with the other four.
2: Hmm.
0: What I remember it was kind of bleh. Yeah. I don't really remember a lot of it. I remember that. I just watched I like the movies a lot better. Hopefully, they'll make it. I'm waiting for them to make a Clerks 3. That's basically like Cam and James' best work. <laughs> Alright, the next one The Smurfs. Okay, 97. Uh, Network, NBC. Really? That was also NBC? Hmm. August well, Corn. Well, it says Reserve Air Date 1981 and 1990. Wow. That seems like it's older than that. Uh, yeah, it says Like many of the shows representing on our top 100, The Smurfs is a cartoon we're here at IGN grew up with and as much it holds a special place in our memories based on a uh, Belgian, it says Belgian comic strip, the tiny blue-skinned Smurfs became an unstoppable media empire with its popular 1980s Hannah Barbara barbera Something like that. Animated series. The animation itself wasn't much to speak of, but the stories told of the course of its 256 episodes were kitty cocaine to those of us. Who grew up in the 80s? The peaceful Smurfs, led by Papa Smurf and premonically male, with the sole exception of the Smurfette, were often chased by the evil wizard Gargamel and his cat. Uh, I was a real saying, watching the series as an adult, one can't help but synthesize synth- synth- a little bit with the smurf hating Gargamel, because constantly upbeat and ovary Sarkaranth attitudes of most of the Smurfs mixed with whininess and extreme overuse of the word Smurf by everyone makes you start to root for the poor <laughs> bumbling wizard who just wants to make some nice Smurfs do. It's fucked up. I did watch the new movies though. The new movies were pretty good when they, uh, I guess you want to call it a live action. When they went to like New York. Yeah I grew up on this show. It was, it was alright. Yeah, I pretty much agree with these guys here. I'm like, yeah, they did really. Oh, use the word Smurf a lot. So. Yeah, this show is kinda of into me. It's not one of my favorites, but let's see one of my my favorites actually make this list. And we have ninety six. Star Trek the animated series. Yeah, this show I did not definitely not see. I wasn't really a Star Trek fan anyway. I'm more of a Star Wars fan, so definitely haven't seen this. The network also from NBC the original air date 1973 to 74 okay saying lots of live-action TV series have gotten cartoons over the years Gilligan's Island happy days even the dukes of hazard really I don't know any of those had a cartoon series but it says but rarely have such hand-drawn variations been so successful in conveying the spirit of their forebears running for two seasons from 1973 to 1974 on NBC, the Star Trek Half Hour Adventures are seen by many fans as the lost fourth year of Captain Kirk and crew's legendary five year mission featuring animation by filmation. The show didn't typically excel visually, cartoons provide the most definitely not the final frontier for the Enterprise, but the world of animation did offer the Star Trek writers the chance to portray things they can never do on a live action budget at the time from three-armed crew members to new and exciting alien worlds. Most importantly, many of the writers of the original show returned here from D.C. Fontana to Samuel A. Peoples to Gene Roddenberry himself, that fidelity to the 1960s show, plus the inclusion of William Shatner, uh, Leonard Nimoy, and most of the other actors, or the voices anyway, led to Star Trek, the animation series becoming one of the most Interesting even underview shows in all of the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, I did see like the actual Star Trek show. Like off and on, I didn't really follow it. It's like was a Star Wars since you know Star Wars is just, you know, sh- the movies franchise. But I do New Wheel and Shatter. So. But yeah, I haven't seen this show, so Yeah, this is the first anime. It's saying Full Metal Alchemist ninety five, which this is also anime I've not gotten into, but people just, like even on well, I use uh to look on anime to watch anime or to see what future animes to watch. I use uh, my anime list, and it's saying like this is like the number one popular show to watch. So uh, yeah, it's saying it's network your network the original air date two thousand four to two thousand six. It says although it's mostly an unbeat story with amazing action scenes, Full Metal Full Metal Optimus scores big points for touching on the main aspects of the human conditions. The main characters are the Elleric brothers, Ed and Aiol. Oh, when no, I'm butchering that. Ed is the famous Full Metal Arculist who almost lost his brother Ioli in an accident that occurred when the boys tried to resurrect their dead mother using alchemy. Edward managed to contain his brother's soul in a suit of armor while he did manage to save his brother's life. He had to pay a great price himself to get back what they lost. The brothers embark on a journey to find the legendary Philosopher's Stone. It says the story doesn't pull any punches right from the first few episodes where it presented with the topics of death, lost hope, and betrayal. The real motion engines of the series is, in, is the relationship between Ed and Ile. I. I don't know how to pronounce it really. It says A-I or A-L. So, as the two boys go through terminal that no one of any age should have to deal with by the end of this series, you just want to give them both a hug and tell them everything will be okay. FMA is one of those special anime that became more than a mere animated show. It was a powerful weekly drama. Yeah, I did see this on cartoon. I didn't, I haven't watched the full story. I need to one day. Like, I knew, like, the concept, I knew the concept of the story before I read this article. Like, I knew the concept, but I just haven't watched, like, from beginning to end. So, I knew some of it because it was just on Cartoon Network. I just watched it periodically as a kid. It just covers on, but I didn't really follow the story. I moved to 94, The Boondocks. Oh, this show I actually loved. Calling <laughs> Adult Swim, which was so funny. And I think they, yeah, it's pre- they're still going on too, apparently. I knew they stopped and then I don't know how many years they, it says uh, 2005 to present, but I know they did a hiatus for a little bit. Let's see what the article says. It says, based on the comic strip of the same name by African-American cartoonist Aaron Magruder, the Boondocks takes a sharp, satirical look at the American society with an emphasis on black culture and race relations from hip-hop and movies to icons like Martin Luther King Jr. and Oprah Winfrey. Uh, controversials from the start, of the Boondocks. Docs has drawn criticism for its use of the N-word and for its portrayal of such historical figures as King. Hmm. The series follows the Freeman family: ten-year-old Huey and his eight-year-old brother Riley. I didn't remember their I didn't remember their ages. I don't know they're that young. And their granddad Robert, and their experiences as the boys move from the South Side of Chicago to live with the granddad in the suburbs. The two seasons produced so far have been released on DVD uncensored and complete with two previous unaired episodes from season two, which were highly critical of BET, which makes for some amusing episode commentaries by McGregor and the cast. i really have to check that out. Yeah, I love that show man. It's just man, it's really entertaining. Especially um I like to do Uncle Ruck as a man. He's like he wants to be white so bad. Or he just like the white man. Oh, is this show in general is just funny. If you haven't seen this show, I definitely recommend this show. Especially if it's still going. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to 93. Darkwing Duck. Oh yeah. It says network uh syn- syndicated. I don't know if that means like that's as network or They're just not saying what network it is. But it says the original air date, 1991 to 1992. This is from the... <coughs> well, I mean, it's basically the Disney channel. Disney Network. It's saying Disney's afternoon response to Batman, but with a duck looking more the shadow than the Dark Knight. It's one of the main reasons why after-school cartoons ruled this Duckdale spinoff ran from 1991 to 1995. The one I say up here in 1992 it says and during that time that goofy yet thrilling adventures of drake Maller never ceased to satisfy and how could you not awesome sidekick who is more than helen solo than dick grayson check his name launch pad is about 10 different types of cool duck theme aerial transport check a few homages to frank miller's the dark knight returns with a question mark it says some nods to james bond and marvel for good measure with a question mark double check and that theme song makes for a geeky cool cool ringtone which is nice from DW's misadventures with Gizmo Duck to some um, throwdowns with the villain Finsart Golmogod. Or Golmgloed? Something like that. Says her time in the city of St. Carnold was more than worthwhile. It was pure fun. Yeah, I remember watching this show. I forgot what it was called, though. But it was really called uh, Darwin Duck. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I remember that was a DuckTales spinoff because, like, the same. uh... Like the helicopter guy, whatever, I think he was in the show too. Like whatever, he drove, he he was driving like Scrooge McDuck's like vehicles all around for him. So I know he was in the show. I think, I guess that's a psychic they're talking about when I remember. Which I'm betting they'll probably have DuckTales later on this list. And we have number 92, we have Rugrats. This is the first Nicanolian so far they got on the list. It says Rizzo air date 1991-1994 and then 1996-2004. to It says "Want to know what kids are thinking. Well, you're gonna... It says, well, you're gonna. It says Rugrats might have had a sort of hiatus animation style that transformed a bunch of toddlers into... I uh, uh, can't even pronounce that. <laughs> I'm not even going to try that, but it says the sure is popular. I'm guessing I'm going to say it was weird, but it was popular. It's just sure there were grown-ups around to let us know exactly what was going on, but the focus of the show was how kids look at things. Basically, it's showing like a you know baby's perspective or a toddler's perspective. It says, how could they see monsters and magic in everyday occurrence simply because they don't understand the world yet with all the toddlers able to officially communicate with each other through baby speak. <laughs> Regrets took its cues from earlier shows like Mubby Babies and had the kids... Use their imaginations to create adventures for themselves. The misadventures of Tommy, Chucky, Phil, and Lil, and even Tommy's devilish cousin, Angelica, ran for 13 years. Wow, yeah, that was pretty long. And not only that, the characters have a new show called All Grown Ups, where you can find them all grown up in the middle school. Well, I wouldn't say that's a whole new show. I mean, that was kind of around the same time. Yeah, i watched both these things. I grew up watching this on Nickelodeon. This is like one of the old ones I actually watched. I enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely better when the Muppet Babies they just mentioned in this article. Which I think that was on uh, Cartoon Network. Yeah, this was a good show to watch as a kid, a 90s kid. <clears throat> okay, let's go to the next one. 91. Harvey Barman, Attorney of Law. Oh, yeah, I remember this show. This show was weird. I mean, I knew some. they just brought some of, like some of the characters in here. But it says the original air date, 2000-2007. Like, they had, like... It's basically Harvin Berman. He's a lawyer. And he, like, represents other cartoon characters in this show that have their own actual own spin-off shows. But we'll see what the article says. It says, On the heels of success of space Ghost coast-to-coast, coast, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim launched several series using previous created anime characters in offbeat and bizarre new situations. You know, basically what I was saying says harvey burman was it an especially clever example of this type of show reimagining in the 1960s superhero superheroes a lawyer yeah so harvey Burnman he had his own like show whatever like basically all these people in the, in this actual this little series had their own show to begin with but it's, that show but he was from the 60s wow but it says a wonderful concept of the series had harvey's cases involving the other classic cartoon characters but with many adult scenarios Thrown in, including Scooby and Shaggy arrested for possession, Fred Flintstone turned mafia, Don Boo Boo accused of terrorism, and Superfriends Apache chief suing after spilled coffee on his lap prevents from him from him growing larger. Okay, it says able to make use of these actual characters and sometimes clips from the shows we know from Harvey Birdman worked as both a parody and homage to he- to these animated characters we know and love. With plenty of funny surreal jokes along the way, yeah, I enjoy this. So I mean, it it was kind of like too too over me at the time. I guess I would have to like watch this again to like I guess probably get the uh, adult humor. Like I did it did look like like I remember the Boo Boo episode, like you know, sh- uh, Yogi and Boo Boo-Boo, Boo. Like Boo Boo was kind of like supposed to be gay in this or some shit. <laughs> or the uh, the chief guy he can't like grow basically the coffee spill on his penis it's like a penis thing for that. Like, it's basically like really a uh, adult theme for this because it wasn't adult swim so it didn't make sense but at the time when I was as a kid it really didn't make sense to me and, but as I can remember now looking back yeah there's a literally adult a lot of adult themes in this show and we have 90 which it's gonna be Afro samurai another anime show It says network spike TV okay I it's still going it says Rizor air date 2007 to present it says as one of the few currently running cartoons on the list Afro Samurai has made a quick and durable impression on us here at IGN based on a manga created by Tashua Okazagi it says anime series mixes plenty of top tier voice talent including semi Al Jackson Kelly Hugh and Raul Parallel. Just to name a few with an excellent soundtrack provided by the Wu-Tang Clan's RCA and a budget large enough to ensure the very best quality from every aspect of the show. It so says the story is a simple one as a child after he watches his father die at the hands of an evil gunman only to spend the rest of his life training in the Samuel Wade to take down his father's killer and become number one. Filled with the over-the-top violence and gore that you would expect from a mature action anime series, Afro, Afro Samurai added a quirky story with equal as quirky characters to make a series that we couldn't help but enjoy. See, I'm digging this list so far. I mean, they give you you know the top 100 shows they have, and then tells you the article each show in case you never even watched it. So, but so far I've I've done all these shows except for that Mask, which yeah, not really interested in that one. So. It's good for y'all to know as well as in case you haven't heard any of these shows. So it's good for me to give y'all informed about this show. So y'all can check these out as well. And now we have the 89. We're getting to the 80s now. You have Star Wars, Clone Wars. Oh yeah, I remember this. This is from the Cartoon Network and there's no a Air date, 2008 to... Uh, it's still going? It says 2008 to present. Now I watch this off and on. Like, is this... Uh, it was shown while well ago the uh, the Star Trek animated series, and then they actually had a Star Wars animated series. It says as we write this list, Star Wars: The Clone Wars is still a very new show, only halfway though its first season. Uh, thus, it's hard to fully gauge at it yet. It says what well, we've seen though shows plenty of promise, and even though there are definitely some issues with the series. Those ever-annoying battle drones, perhaps chief among them, the show's consistently delivers solid action and fun. More importantly, a couple of the early episodes, especially Rookies and Cloak of the Darkness, have been true, true standouts. Telling dark and moody stories in the Star Wars universe that are among the best expanded universes is offered, guided by talented uber-star uber, uber Star wars fan Dave Feniong. And using noble writers like Batman, the animated series, Paul Dinning, something like that, says the Clone Wars has had to overcome cynicism from older fans and those who feel the 2003 Clone Wars series can't can be outdone. And slowly but surely it's battling past those obstacles and proving to be a quiet entertaining series and it's alright. Now I watched it off and on I was like, ah, I couldn't really get into the series, I'm more into the, the actual movie itself. But I mean, if you're a big Star Wars fan, I would. If you haven't seen this by any chance, I would definitely give it a shot. <clears throat> All right, we'll get to eighty-eight. Woody Woodpecker, okay. This show I actually have seen. Uh, it's saying original air date, uh, syndicated theoretical shorts, okay. So I'm guessing it didn't have a channel. Well, let's get the article. Says like several of the classic cartoons on this list that's irresoluble. This is nervous breakdown. Prone Woody Webpacker started life in a series of theoretical shorts that date back as early as the 1940s. Wow. Says years later he would find renewed vigor or vigor when the shorts were packaged for television viewing, delighting generations or of after-school kiddies and maybe just maybe driving a few of them to a nervous breakdowns all their own. Uh, it says, as we case with many of his peers, Woody wasn't always a very likable guy. No, the Walter Lance-produced tune created by Ben Bugs Hardaway was originally a certified insane fellow whose design and personality involved over the years into a somewhat more accessible member of society, voiced by the E. Emptomical Mel Blanca, and later Ben Holloway and Lance's wife, Grace Stanford. The bird is perhaps best remembered for his... Unmistakable laugh Which was even Incorporated into his theme song Eventually He 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 he, he. Mm-hmm. Huh Yeah I really don't miss A lot of the show I know they just made Like a new like I guess you want to call it Live action animated movie About Woody Woodpecker. Doesn't look like The animated Animated version of it at all But I didn't watch The movie either so Yeah I knew I knew there was a show Woody Woodpecker, But I do not really I don't remember watching Like the concept Or anything of it So let's put on for my time and go to 87 Frisky Dingo oh yeah I remember this show this is like another old rant weird Adult Swim show I really I didn't get into this show at all but I'm gonna read it for y'all to people if you want to get into it it says one of the be- <laughs> oh it's, oh okay I was about to say as I was reading it says one of the best anime shows of all time well question mark says nah <laughs> yeah that's about right but yeah they have it in like 87 hmm. it says more like one of the most astonishing oh awesome, awesome creations ever can see by our miserable race okay that was a curveball for me it says frisky dingo from the mines that brought you search great to sea level 2021 that makes sense <laughs> combines everything anyone could ever want into one grand television extravaganza it's got billionaire tycoons playing with plastic dinosaurs same uh, See on partnerships with big ass cross promotions, rabbit fights, and farm keyboards, and the lion shut up hooker <laughs> thrown in there for good measure. If watching Awesome X blast the ever loving hell of his own robotic exile funny force, seeing the greatest supervillain of all time, we just said that Killface shoved his face or his fist up a band's half corpse and then used him like a puppet, <laughs> or see the blue uh, collar disciples. Uh, more than you bargained for. Just gun gun for the co- convetted squad leader position in the elite ant, ant baby machete squad doesn't sound like a completely badass time. You're reading the wrong site or well, looking at the wrong interwebs. If you don't like it, then there's a big ass door. Maybe go try homesandgardens.com or something. This show kicks so much ass, you'll probably go blind. Yeah, I think you're really overriving this show. What I remember it wasn't that great. I mean it's yeah, pretty much pretty much like C twenty twenty one, but like a whole different scenario. So what I recommend it no, but I mean if you're into those kind of weird shows, I would say go for it. And go to eighty six, Astro Boy. Another show that's way off my time, which I assume the concept of it. It's it's saying uh <clears throat> though its popularity in Western cultures has won over the past couple decades. Astro Boy is a cultural icon in Japan which is what I'm saying this is another anime. It says, based on the story by Usumo Jesuit, aka the god of manga really. It says the animation series, arguably the first popular anime TV series, told the story of Astro, a powerful robotic boy created by the head of the Ministry of Science to replace the son he lost in a tragic car accident. Each episode involved Astro using his robotic powers to save the day. The original show aired in black and white, and when American Network Access brought it stateside, it became the first anime to be broadcast outside Japan. A 2003 remake of the TV series didn't make the waves in the U.S., but the original 1963 series is still considered to be one of the most important forces in comics, animation, and even video games. Oh, they made a video game, too. It says the uber popular Mega Man slash Rocket Man franchise was, he- oh, okay. was heavily influenced by Astro Boy's story and character designs. That makes sense. It says in 2009, Imagi Studios will release a new uh, Americanized CGI incarnation in atro- Astro Boy. And future film fans everywhere are praying that it will do ju- uh, justice to the original and introduced and beloved franchise to a new generation. Yeah, I do remember watching like in black and white Just being on TV like late at night But I never watched, like sat out and watched it I knew it was like Robotic Boy But yeah, at least it was kind of influenced by Mega Man and all that Alright Now we're into to 85 Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends Says, hey you know who's annoying Actually this show I actually did enjoy you No know, culture Network uh, says, hey, you know who's annoying? Just about everyone on Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Taking the Spongebob-ish formula, which is really the Pink Panther-ish formula, of having your main character simultaneously strip others of their sanity. <laughs> yeah. Foster's creating a whole new genre of kids shows. It almost a twist on Edger uh, Toots' old theory of cruelty, in which children's programming can no longer exist without an element of torturing lancy. Uh, revolving around a halfway house for retired imaginary friends. <laughs> they like grossing on this show. It says Fosters unleashes Sandy at every turn because most every character is based on the erratic whims of their child creator. They're all freaking bonkers and s- serve to pester and drive each other mad at every turn. Our hero Mac doesn't want to let go of his best friend Buddy Blue so he's allowed to hang around Fosters whenever he wants. Says Blue himself is a study in selfish delinquency, and one might wonder why anyone would want to create him in the first place, much less keep him around. Says the great joy of Foster's, however, aside from the animation style and the kick and theme music, is that it never truly uh, grates you on you. Nothing is malicious, sure, all the characters spiral out of control in their own way, but it's also very funny and very in- enduring. And of course, all the characters are equal when compared to the most fantastically annoying character ever created, cheese. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just a home for her abandoned imaginary creatures, which uh, they, had, you know, they, other people can like adopt them. But the uh, the main kid, he had to like, he had to like put Blue there because his mom thought he was too old, but he has to see him every day so he can make sure he doesn't get adopted. It was a good show, nonetheless. I remember this for the all right, now we'll go to 84, Spider-Man 1994 TV series. Uh, I'll we're winding out to the hour here, which is usually what I get to. But uh, I want to get to, like, the quarter of it. I'll get to, like, 75, and then I'll I'll do a continuation of this uh, series. It says Spider-Man 1994, the TV series. It says Network, Fox, original air date, 1994, 1998 saying this show has a very fond place in the hearts of those who grew up with it in the 90s so some might complain about it being rather low on the list it says sorry guys we have a soft spot for it too but when you look at this particular Spider-Man it's clear that this show whilst significant for Spider-Man was a stepping stone along the way as far as creating a truly great show based on the character still the 1990s Spider-Man deserves A lot of credit for being the first Spidey show To truly use the comic for Inspiration when it came to uh, Adaptation as many familiar Stories were given A twist here including the Venom saga And even Spider-Man's odd time Spent with six arms Says the series was Able to use many guest stars In the Marvel Universe to allow Spider-Man to team with characters like Iron Man, Blade, Punisher Captain America and Doctor Strange Unlike any of the previous Spider-Man series, long-term story arcs were utilized and certain storylines were given a suitable amount of time to build. Continuing for several episodes or even an entire season, the series also benefited from a fun vocal performance from Christopher Daniel Barnes as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Uh, I don't think I've seen this. I mean, if I did, it was like this on TV. Oh, it was on Fox, so it probably didn't. <laughs> My water. but I mean it seems like it would have been good to watch at the time I remember watching the old X-Men series I know that's kind of off but I mean it's kind of the same or yeah, same kinda. Looks like the same universe kind of look at the same kind of art style you yeah, know I'd like to have seen that back in the day I don't know how y'all feel about the new spider-man series like all these different movie genres whatever the Amazing spider-man you know they have that new kid spider-man from the uh, Avengers I would always say I was Tommy McGuire is my Spider-Man for sure. That's an OG trilogy for me. <clears throat> Speaking about OG, now there's or not, there's not really OG, but it says '83 Teen Titans. This is basically talking about the 2000 one, the early 2000 Teen Titans series. Because apparently I didn't even know there's like a '60s version of Teen Titans. But the article says, after years of being wowed by Bruce Timm's animated take. On the DC Universe with everything from Batman to Justice League it was a bit of a shock to see the original young people's superhero group get a whole different kind of treatment in this anime tank ting, tingled series it says featuring very young wide-eyed literally not necessary uh, visual live versions of Robin raven beast boy cyborg starfire and others teen Titans is memorable memorably Alone for its fun theme song by J-Popper's Puffy Amayumi, Teen times Go. But also for its character-based stories that often developed into the troubles of being a teenager. Still, as out there, the style of the show seemed to be too many fans. The series did not often touch on the hallmarks of the comic on which is based, including stories curled from the... Judas contract and the Tarot of Trident. Story arcs from the new Teen Titans comic. Key, key. All right. It says yeah. The story arcs from the new Teen Titans comic. Go Teen Titans, indeed. Hmm. Yeah. I also seen like uh. I know they did like a new version of. Uh, well, I'll say it. yeah. I guess a new version of Teen Titans Go. But then they did a, like a movie. I think it's like Teen Titans Go to the movies. But then they had like a after the credits went out, they had the original Teen Titans like in the cameo. So I wonder if they're gonna bring that back. I hope so. I like I enjoy this Teen Titans and like the Teen Titans go. And now we move over to eighty two. Found Albert and the Cosby Kids. Oh, that was a great time about Cosby show. Now, huh? Uh. Uh-huh. Uh. It says the network was CBS and original air date nineteen seventy two to eighty five. Okay. It says, Hey, 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 it's Fat Albert. It says, Created, produced, hosted, and primarily voice by comedian Bill Cosby. Fat Albert and the Cosby Kid was a show that, as Cosby said at the start of each episode, if you're not careful, you may learn something before it's done. Based on Cosby's stand-up routines about his childhood, Fat Albert was filled with humor, complete with a laugh track, which was common for animated series during that era, but tackled serious issues like stealing, racism, child abuse, smoking, and vandalism says the series was revisited in a 2004 live-action movie co-written by Cosby himself, which debuted to middling box office and harsh critical reviews, but the animation series continues to be fondly remembered by many. Fat Albert and his friends Bill, Mushmouth, Bucky, Rudy, Russell, and Dumb Donald, to name a few, taught quite a few lessons to kids over its 13-year run. Yeah, I do remember the show. I mean, I don't remember you know front to back but I remember the characters I remember I remember watching the live action movie and I remember he, Cosby was in the movie for like a brief time well he like he actually plays like he actually you know he wrote the series and everything so I mean it was alright I mean it's you know definitely trash now because you know what you know the conversation about Bill Cosby now but it was an alright show for what it was I mean Fat Hour was pretty funny and we go to 81 tell Spin Network syndicated. Which I'm gonna have to look at what that means. I'm pretty much means it's not available or something. Let me look that up because you know I'm not the smartest man. I'll tell you that right now. I'll be trying. You should know this word. Let's see what this means. Well, I typed this working on Google and it's like <laughs> typed up some kind of bar theater kitchen in like Brooklyn, New York. Okay. I just wanna know the meaning of this. It says control or managed by a syndicate, publisher broadcast, and a number of newspapers. I'm guessing it was like different channels and didn't have like a specific channel. It says it means a television program being shown In a different television network than the one that first showed the program. A synagogue program could also be a program that was not made for a television network. These types of programs are made and then sold to many different television stations to be shown. Yeah, okay. So it didn't like own to like one station. Okay. I get, I get with that. But yeah, it says Tailspin, 1990 to 1994. Now this one uh, <clears throat> I do remember a little bit about. It was a... Uh, He says, there's no way for us to hide it. We here at IGN love the Disney's afternoon lineup. And Tailspin was one of our favorites. On the surface, the series looked like it was an easy way to cash in on her older Disney film property, The Jungle Book. But after watching the television movie, which later went on to become the first four episodes of Plunder and Lightning, saying, we knew that Disney had found something special from the creative plot lines to the uh, infinitely catchy theme song, We Were Hooked following lovable Baloo and the rest of the higher fire no higher for higher crew of Rebecca and Molly Cunningham Wildcat and Kit Clow Kicker. Tailspin had a cast of characters who served their roles in making one of the more creative and fun cartoons in Disney's arsenal. It says plus how can you not like a show that features Shreer Ken as an evil businessman out to take over the city of Cal Sue T Something like that. Yeah, I do remember somewhat of the show. I think like all the characters were like ba- bears too, if I'm not mistaken. But I mean it's it's kind of blurred to me. But I I remember it was a bad show, but I just can't remember the whole show. I don't know, no, it was back in the, yeah, back in the 90s on Disney Channel. Uh I do recommend watching it though. And now we go to 80. Network NBC, original air date 1983-1990. It is the Alvin and the Chipmunks. To say the animated series because they already did like a reboot of this show, too. I won't say a reboot, but like a different animated version of this, and then they came out with all those movies. So, uh, I personally haven't, well, I've seen like a few episodes of this show, but I know, I know who these guys are, I mean, they're chipmunks, so and they sing, but we'll see. The article does does for it. it says, There's nothing funnier than an adult losing its mind. It's the core of the most children's programming. Kids are allowed to run rampant and inflict pain and misery on grown ups just to have it taken away and love the kids anyway. There's no discipline, there's no law and order, and thus a show like Alvin the Chipmunks was born. In incorporating the singing chipmunk hit makers from the 1960s, Alvin and the Chipmunks brought the scamps into the 80s and gave them a bunch of cover songs to mule with their little tiny voices. Beat it, born in the USA, an uptown girl. It was like just someone that named a few voice, uh, songs they actually covered. It says, All got the treatment as poor Dave Seville uh, became the adopted father for Jerky, Smarty, and Fatty. What the fuck? <laughs> that's not their names. <laughs> what's uh? What's their name? Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. That's that's their actual names. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Fucking IGN. <laughs> saying otherwise known as oh now they say it Alvin Simon of Theodore See, I was new before I knew their names it says the three of those little rodents never missed I like how these roast these roast some on these shows it says the three of these little rodents never missed an opportunity to make Dave's life a living hell but all was forgiven since they managed to sell a buttload of records and wound up becoming insanely popular and just when you thought we might be done with them they had a huge hit movie in 2007 that got a sequel in production as we speak so, I was trying to read um, when they actually posted this article. So, they're saying the sequels they speak. So, I mean, that was like in the early 2000s. I mean, they already have like, I think, four movies now. So, there was a sequel and then Shipwrecked, I think, or three movies. I mean, three or four, for sure. And, 79, speaking of, uh, I'm talking about that, Sea Lab 2021. That's Sea Lab 2021 for 79. It says, network, what's your. Of course it was Cartoon Network and here's your air date 2000 2005 saying using stock footage from the absolute 1970s environmental cartoon Sea the 2020 yeah which I didn't even know that I was watching a boomerang and it was it was say they 2020 which that was like really boring right it was like I don't know it was more I guess kid-friendly for Sea the 2020 but this one it was way different it was definitely for like an adult version. Yeah, but it's saying the lazy mavericks over at Adult Swim were able to create magic, sheer shame magic. Sure, it still dealt with a crew of deep sea subtation, but it stripped them of all humanity and left us with a band of lunatics that usually wound up self-destructing every other show. Sea lab 2021 was one of those terrific shows from early on in the evolution of late night cartoons that made you actually feel like you might be losing your mind take for example that the entire episode that rests solely on the established shot of C-Lab fuse box for 15 minutes you hold only- okay it's some an example of an episode it says yeah take for example the entire episode that rests solely on the established shot of C-Lab fuse box which was the name of the episode it says for 15 minutes you only hear the characters voices from inside the station as they deal with a blackout or how about the time Captain Murphy spent years trapped under the beep yeah, beep soda machine or his uh, tricks through the corn doors of Steelab and his cart while Sam simultaneously searching for and cursing the existence of Pod 6 he says supporting voice cast was great but it was Harry Gos as Murphy who brought a touch of fatherly good humor and made us all fall in love with a bad man Grizzly Bees Yeah I do remember That episode That Bebop sewing Machine episode He like gets I forget how But he gets like I forgot how he got Stuck on there But he got stuck On that sewing machine He was like there For years And then he had like Scorpions like Fucking sting him And shit Like multiple times So that show Was definitely weird Had a lot of Sexual themes too And another anime show At 78 We had Dragon Ball Z My favorite anime Man that's That's high on the list Man that's That's kind of tough That's tough man saying, Cartoon Network, 1989-1996. It's saying, out of all the shows on this list, Dragon Ball Z may have the largest fan following, yeah, of course. It says, based on the Dragon Ball manga written and illustrated by Akira Toriyama, DBZ was the second incarnation of the popular series and to this day continues to be the best example of the series' hard-hitting style, containing some of the most the variable choreographed fight scenes in cartoon history this program is like a love letter to those who enjoy a good brawl between good and evil so much so that you're willing to watch nearly 300 episodes of build-up and payoffs yeah pretty much uh, the world of Dragon Ball is filled with an endless list of entertaining and memorable characters and while we don't have the space to mention everyone we feel like we need to give a shout out to it to the series main main star Son Goku when looking at the shows on this top 100 list we are pretty sure that there may not be a hero who is selfless as he goku is downright suicidal in his quest to vanquish the world of evil kudos you goofy saiyan that's pretty much pretty much sums it up there you go with 77 johnny quest now this show and I, I haven't seen much of this show either but the network was abc and the original air date was 1964 to 65 Oh, it kind of refreshed here. Gotta go back down the list. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, okay, here we go. Some internet refreshed it. Uh, it's saying, "Yeah, the six. It said, uh... yeah, there's a date: nineteen sixty-four to sixty-five, and then nineteen eighty-six, eighty-seven. Wow, that's a big gap. <laughs> Just to stop airing and then come back." I think I watched like the 80 versions a little bit, but it doesn't ring much of a bell. I know they did like just adventures and went out in the plane. Let's see the article. It says, originally airing for just one 26 episode season in 1994 1990 or 1964 to 65. Uh, this iconic kids' adventure show <coughs> thrived in syndetic reruns on Saturday mornings for decades. Before coming back for one new season in 1986. Hmm. The animation was rather advanced for its time, especially for a weekly series. Uh, Just the deciding events and and sequencing one would normally have seen in a live action show. Present day, cartoon viewers take such things as realistic movements and big action sequences for granted. But for a traditional hands-drawn series... The LA-based animators did an extremely job, fitting in a high amount of action and story in, into each episode. Watching an episode today, it seems almost laughable—the short, abbreviated dialogue, the use of cycling animations and cycling reaction shots by the character instead of always what's going on. But one can still be impressed that so much story was able to be told each week, providing a rich, adventurous story for kids of all ages. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember much of that show. <clears throat> but I definitely recommend to still watch it though. Now we have another animated show. It's 76. It says Voltron. Network syndicated, so gets me you know there's on multiple channels. And original air date nineteen eighty four to eighty five, so because it didn't last that long. It's saying giant lion-shaped robots that combine to form an even bigger humanoid robot that fights huge monsters with a sword and rocket fists. That pretty much sums up the show. <laughs> Simple but highly effective. It says there were two original Voltron series cobbled together from two separate and Japanese anime. Most of us fell in love with the lion-force Voltron, though vehicle Voltron has its moments. The show scored big with the male audience because you just can't go wrong with big robots that fight. That whole lion thing was just icing on the cake. Yeah, definitely back in the 90s. Yeah, that's I definitely love big robots fighting. That's today's time, and I don't know now. <laughs> but it says, uh, Ask most fans that the show was actually about, and they probably draw a blank, mainly because there wasn't much plot. Yeah, that also makes sense. Uh, most episodes of the season one feature Prince Lotor, or his witch, Galpel Hagger. Conjuring some butt-ugly monster <laughs> then the forces of good was assembled to, to form the baddest metal man in the galaxy and much pawnage would assure that Voltron was mainly about Voltron opening of pass. Yeah, pretty much. The first run of Voltron had a big hand assuring the age of giant robots in American culture and expired a number of imitators. We're looking in your direction Power Rangers. Yeah, that's more my... My taste with Power Rangers. I don't, I don't remember watching a uh, Voltron. There was a different uh, I think I did watch it, but like I don't remember the whole process, but it was pretty much you know story Power Rangers. You don't really remember the story, you just remember uh, you know, the bond up superheroes join up to a big robot and kick some ass and giant monsters. So And we're gonna do the last one for the episode seventy five. It's gonna be Doctor Katz Professional Therapist. Well, we could leave all with something I don't even know. <laughs> it Says network Comedy Central. Oh, definitely, that's wow. 1995, 1999. So I did watch some animated series on Comedy Central, but this is not one of them. But we'll see. Let's see if I actually be interested. It says using a therapist's couch as a forum for stand-up sticks was a great idea. Comedians are usually just complaining most of the time anyway, so you might as well just work it into a show instead of just giving a comedian their own sitcom why not just have a show that gives a bunch of comedians a chance to run with their best material and let's animate it in its squiggly vision of course a lot of comedians actually went on to get their own shows anyway ray Romano, sarah silverman dennis leary joe Bayard, and john stewart to name a few but the show really wouldn't have worked without jonathan cates as dr cates and h john benjamin and his Lizerick's son, Ben listening to the two of them together was like having two Bob Newhart's collide in an enduring Stammerfest of love. The anim- animation was crude but the hard humor were there. Okay. Well, it doesn't really tell me what if what the story is, but but based on the night I'm like this animation looks pretty old. But yeah, guys, I was getting here to the hour and a half uh, I didn't know how long this actually would take. You know, I thought I'd get to the hour. But uh I will get through this series. Hopefully, I can get it a part two. Maybe I do a four-part series. Who knows, guys? You know, the last on through the series. But uh, I still will put a link here in case you don't. You just want to leave it for yourself, or you know, you just want to listen on to hear. Much appreciate it. Uh, give you the plugs. Uh, I would appreciate you up. Uh, I appreciate all the listeners following me. I'm growing slowly but surely. I just want to shout out to all current listeners. I have. I currently have over sixty people listeners. I appreciate each and every one of y'all. I appreciate you helping me with this channel or the podcast, whether they say. It really helped me if you uh, give giving those five star ratings on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. I, currently, I know I'll cover this on iTunes and Google Play. I don't know how the rating works on Google Play, I just know how it works on, on iTunes. So, Just five star reviews helps a lot for the, for the podcast. Uh, I put my plugs in the uh, description so you can check that out. And also, this portal link will be there too. And also, my email that I was mentioned earlier is will be there as well. Uh, probably, we'll probably get done with this. Deal to get this part two up probably on Saturday and Sunday for sure. But yeah, guys, I'm going to cut it here. Alright, guys, until next time, this is your boy, DJ Stats, Sam, peace.